to think about how I was going to tie this in with uh, some other things that are going on. But the world today is much like the world to which Jesus was born into. When Jesus was born into the world, there was a whole lot of things going on. You had the, the Roman government that had came in and took over the province. You had a lot of people that were poor. You had a lot of people that were suffering. And man had not heard anything from God for a very long time. And as I look at our country, I look at our world today, we're much in the same position. Uh, the, voices, the voice of God, the voice of uh, the Word and the Bible have become, for some, hostile words. Uh, what was once uh, common speech is now sometimes considered hate speech. It goes contrary to what the world uh, says is right and wrong. We live in a time where people would rather live wrong than live right. We're living in a time when, as Timothy would tell us, we are in the last days where men will become lovers of themselves. They would rather believe a lie than the truth. We're seeing the reversal of roles and reversal of things that God set in place that now we're saying it's just the opposite. But the good news is this, that God knew all this was going to happen. And with even this time of year, it helps us to focus on a couple of things that I just want to share with us. In this time of year, people begin celebrating Christmas. In fact, to be honest with you, Christmas has been celebrated way before even this past Friday, which they call Black Friday. People have been, there's been Christmas commercials on prior to that. And they had sales Friday, and they have sales today. It's interesting because I was watching one commercial. It talked about Black Friday, but it started Thursday. So from Black Friday was Thursday night at 5 o'clock for this one store, from 5 o'clock Thursday all the way to Sunday. And I thought, wow. So we started this thing early. I remember on my route, there was a house I used to deliver to that pretty much kept their tree up all year long. I used, to, I used to pull in the driveway, and especially when it was dark at night. Sometimes I'd get there late, and I'd see this tree. It was in September, October, November, December, January, February, March. I got to the point, I, I asked someone, they said, do you ever take this down? They said, mm, sometimes. Most times we didn't leave it up. I said, well, by, by, by March or April, you might as well just leave it up, because in a few short months, you're going to have to put it back up anyway. If you're even noticing in our neighborhoods now, people leave their Christmas lights up all year long. They hang them up, and they don't take them down because they say, hey, you know what? Once I get them up, I ain't coming back, you know, put them back out again. So they, they light up, you know. And that's all a part of signs of Christmas. It's interesting to note that one of the most, pop one of the most popular holidays in the Philippines is Christmas. They start in September all the way until early January. They really celebrate Christmas, and the reason why they really celebrate it isn't so much because of the religious connotation, it's because it's a predominantly Catholic nation, and they tie into that, and they really, I mean, we think we do it. They, from what I've read, they really, as a group, as a population, they get into Christmas, and maybe you do too, and there's nothing wrong with that, but here's the key. 
Although Christmas is a time for celebration, it's a celebration of God's gift of Jesus. Christ came into this world. He is the light of the world. I love the music. I love the lights. I love the sharing of gifts. I love the reaching out to those in need. The time of celebration with family and friends. And we look forward to it every year. I remember when the kids were little. I can go back in my mind. I remember when they would open up certain gifts and they would just be so excited. I forget what that thing Tyler wanted that one Christmas. But I can remember he got it and he was just, oh, thank you, thank you. Th-. Made me think of that little the movie you see on TV. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then, uh, yeah, those are the moments I I can reflect back on. But here's the thing. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 15, God saw where man was going to be. And God said, you know what? Because after Adam and Eve had sinned, in Genesis 3, 15, he says, I will put enmity. Or hostility would be another word. I will put hostility or enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, talking about Christ, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The battle between God and Satan was on even at the very beginning in the book of Genesis. And the promise was that there was going to come one. Here he says, he shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall Bruise his heel. So we have the idea here that at the very beginning, God understood that there was going to become a time for the need of a Savior. And from that point in Genesis 3.15, up until his birth, the world has, was waiting for the Messiah to come. In fact, when you go to Genesis 3.15, that verse is called the Evangelium, proto Evangelum, which means the first mention of the gospel. Proto, first, evangelum, gospel. The first mention of the gospel is Genesis 3.15. Don't have to wait to get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The mention of the gospel, the good news, is already written in Genesis 3.15. The promise was made more specific to Abraham. God called Abraham to be the father of of people who would bring blessing to all the world. God promised Abraham, your seed. You see all this? You see the sands on the shore here? You can't count the sands on the seashore. You can't count the sands at the beach. But God promised Abraham that his seed would be as plenteous as the sand on the seashore. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, we have that promise mentioned to Abraham, go with me to Genesis 12, 1, 1, 2, and 3. I mean, God's not going to leave us to be by ourselves now. He's going to fix us up. He's going to help us make it in this world. God promises Abraham in, in, in Genesis 12, 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Pack up, leave, go to a land. You don't know where you're going. Just believe in me, follow my directions, and you're going to get there. And I will make you, here it is, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. 
I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Somebody asked the question, uh, could ask the question, why do we spend so much effort to, to support and to maintain things that are happening in Israel? Well, there it is right there. As long as the people of the world bless God's people, God says, you bless them, I will bless you. Now, I know we can get into this whole thing. Of all the people in the world, why did God choose the Jews? That's a good question. Don't know. He could have chosen anybody. Sometimes I think America thinks they are the chosen people, but we are not God's chosen. God has used the United States mightily, but God's people, his chosen people, are the nation of Israel. And he makes a promise to Abraham, as long as they bless you, I will bless them. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, he continues that same idea. He talks about uh, Jesse and the descendants and Jesse's son, David. In Isaiah 11:1, 1, we have the promise. Isaiah 11:1 1 says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Who's he talking about? Jesse eventually would have a son named David. David, from the line and the lineage of David, comes Jesus Christ. When you read the genealogy of Jesus, I'm telling you something. One of the things I, I think I preached on it a few years ago, man, there was all kinds of people in the line of Jesus. Jesus didn't come from just royalty. He was royal, but out of his lineage was some people that you would think, you kidding me? Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, is in my Savior's lineage? Oh, yes. Guess what? In all of our lineage, if we really go back and find out, if you go, was that me, 23, or 1, 2, 3, whatever that little thing is, that you go back and you take the, you know, they do your DNA test and they go back and research your family tree and tell you where you come from and all that other stuff, I would venture to say many of us, if we were to really do that, would find it in our background, in our family tree, are some people that we probably go, oh my, that's part of who I am? That's, 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 my, that's my heritage? There's some criminal activity? There's some people that were doing some things that I, if I knew, uh, I don't even believe in? I would say yes, all of us. And in our Savior's background was all that. And yet, the miracle of Jesus is he came down through 42 generations. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, you know what? This is God's story to man. He's the author. And the Bible said he is the author and he is the finisher of our what? Faith. Everything that happens in this world today is God's story. He's not done with it. He's still typing it out. He's still writing it. And guess what? In your life, as long as you and I are alive, God's writing a story for you, about you, and for you, and to you. Now, when I think about that, you know what I think about? If he's the author, he's the writer of all the stuff that I'm going through, why do I get so shook sometimes? Because he's not just any ordinary author. The author of my life and the author of your life is God himself. 
Amen? And if you know him, and if you believe in him, guess what? We all like a happy ending. We like to see the, the, the couple go off into the sunset to live what? Happily ever after. We were watching Hallmark last night. Thank you, Hallmark. There is some color in now in Hallmark now, this, these past few episodes and upcoming ones. That's one of my knocks against Hallmark. I said, do they not know that there are other people in the world? Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. I mean, you know, it's not restricted to one group of people. So last night, Patty LaBelle and Dennis Hasford and what's her name? Latoya, what's her name? Ali, whatever her name is. Tashiana Ali, they were writing. And my wife likes happy endings. She wants to see at the end of the story, riding off into the sunset. So in the story, her mother, Tashiana's mother, had died, but they had a snowflake. Her sister, her sister had died. They had a snowflake they put on the tree every year. Well, she didn't know, but long story short, she, her, her sister had a child. She didn't know this. At the end of the movie, she gets to meet the child, and they come, and the child's wearing a, a sweater, and on her sweater, guess what's on there? Sweater. A snowflake. So they didn't take the snowflake and give it to her at the end of the movie. They just celebrated Christmas as a family. Say, we're so happy that you're here. And the movie fades out. The lights go down. And they go off happily ever after eating dinner and enjoying each other. And my wife said, that's it? I said, well, yeah, that's it. What? They got to give her the snowflake. She had a snowflake. They have a snowflake. They got to get the snowflake. And then the movie can go off. I said, well, they didn't have you to be the advisor of this movie. She was a happy ending. Everybody likes a happy ending. But guess what? With God, no matter what your life is right now at this moment, if you know Christ and Christ is your Savior, you have a happy ending. You, I say, Pastor, how do you know that? I know that because if you're in Christ and when you and I die, the Bible promises us that we will receive life everlasting with him. We will be with Christ in heaven with God celebrating what we should be, we're going to be celebrating, the fact of the excitement of his birth coming into the world. Amen? We are awaiting the Savior. He's already come once. We're awaiting his second coming. Now, I know the world doesn't believe that, and people will look at me and go, are you nuts? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming back? Yes, I do. And if you read your Bible, especially in the Old Testament, they were awaiting. All these things that we're going to talk about, all these verses that we're reading, points to his coming. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this. Isaiah 7, 14 says, oh, went too far. Ah, there it is. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You want a sign? What better sign to read than a sign from God? Behold, this is Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. The key is, 
therefore, because of all that he said up above that, he gets to verse 14, he says, therefore, the Lord himself, God himself, Yahweh himself, will give you a sign. There are signs everywhere. You just got to be able to read the signs and know the signs. The sign is, for them was, behold, not just a virgin, but the virgin. Not because she was any special girl, but she was specifically called by God. God could have used any person, any female young lady at that time. He just elected to use Mary. That's why we don't pay homage. We don't put Mary up like she's something, something special because she's really not. She was just privileged as a woman, a young girl, to be the father of the mother. I'm sorry, the mother of the Messiah. And in fact, if she was so great and we lift her up, she even says later on in the Magnificent and later on in, in the Gospels that she herself recognized who Christ was. And the same son that she bore also was the same, same son she had to believe in for her salvation. Amen? I mean, I respect Mary, but I ain't putting her up like she's something special because... He could have used, he could have waited and today used any of you, ladies. Historian says she was a teenager, young girl. Can you imagine? You can read the method, the gospel account. They're waiting for the sign. They're wait, they're awaiting the Savior. And I, after two after two thousand some years, he is actually a bright light shines. You know how we are about. Things happening in the night. Light shining. The angel. We have a hard time understanding God speaking to us. Can you imagine an angel come by your bedside and says, by the way, thou most highly favored. How was she highly favored? God chose her. Guess what? You get to bring into this world the Messiah. <coughs> Excuse me. Because she knew her Bible. It wasn't about who he was. Like, you're going to use, you want to use me? Her, her question was not about him. It was about, what, how is this going to happen? What do you mean? And then the angel says, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit will impregnate you with the seed of the Savior. I don't know if I could handle all that. I, I'd be, I would probably be like, like many times you see in the movies, people are like confused about what God's actually saying. But she accepted what he said and by faith went on to bring into this world our Messiah. Amen. Not only does it talk about his be born, but go with me to Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, and this is where he's going to be born. I mean, geez, God has this thing already set up. This is not, we're awaiting the Savior. He tells us the who, he tells us the how, he tells us the where. Micah 5, 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old from ancient 
days. Amen? There he is. Out of this little small tribe. This, 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 it would be like being born in Wilmington. Compared to Columbus, Dayton, Cincinnati, New York, L.A., wherever. Because many people ask me, where are you from? Wilmington. Where is that at? <laughs> I go, we're between Dayton. We're, we're west of Dayton, and we're between Columbus and Cincinnati. You ever go down 71? Yep. You go right past. The sign says Wilmington. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. I said, remember DHL? Yep, that was our claim to fame. Years ago, we had the Bengals in town. Remember that? Yeah, okay. That's where, I, that's where we are. Got to explain these things because they think we're, too, you know, we're a blip on their radar. This little place was a blip on the radar, but out of that blip, out of that place comes the Savior of the world. Somebody can ask the question to us today, what good could come out of Wilmington? Well, a whole lot of good could come out of it. If God has his hands on us or on, a, on the world, guess what? Even though we may be small, we could be mighty because guess who's on our side? God is. And he announced that to these people in Micah chapter 5, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But he not only did that, but he also helped us out by letting us know that in this world, there will come one who will be the forerunner of Christ. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, 4, and 5 helps us to understand this. Now, those of you who know your Bibles know who the forerunner of Christ was. John the Baptist. He was here before Christ was, just by a few months. He was touched, his mother's womb was touched, and she was told of who he was. But in all this, here's the thing. You say, why is this so important? This is in the Old Testament. This is before it actually happened. God is already telling his people, this is what's going to happen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 through 5 says, a voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John, the Baptist, is going to speak before Christ. He's going to tell them, there's one coming. Where's my bell? I would ring my bell if I had it. I'll put it somewhere. Oh, there it is. Ring the bell. Ring, ring, ring. Guess what? There's somebody coming. I'm not he, but one who comes after me is the one you want to serve and the one you want to follow. Amen? And that's what we're supposed to be doing today. We're supposed to be doing that very same thing. We're supposed to be telling the world that Jesus... Christ has come, and he is also coming back again. That's our duty. That's our job, to go forth to proclaim the coming of our Savior and Lord. Amen? question we need to ask ourselves, how good are we doing that? Not only was he be born in Bethlehem, but in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, we're told that 
How will I know he's here? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. That's the question they ask. How are they supposed to know? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey? You remember the, you remember the story in the Gospels? Jesus' entry into the city. He was on a what? A donkey. They want to know how we're going to know when this person is coming. Zechariah foretold it thousands of years before it happened. He says, listen, this is how you're going to know who he is. Not only is he going to be conceived in a virgin, not only will he be born in a little town that nobody even really cares about or a province nobody even cares about, but you will know who he is because he will be born, he's going to come into the city riding in on a donkey. Not a Cadillac Escalade. Not an Infinity, not a whatever, whatever the big class of chariot or whatever they had back in them days. He's not coming. He's coming on a simple donkey. Simple ass. A foal of a donkey. I don't think I've ever seen the royal family in England coming into a city or riding in a parade in the little dinky jalopy. Well, I don't think I've ever seen that. Usually they have very nice cars. A Bentley or something, you know. Little stage thing and they are waving. It's royalty. But our king, our savior, humbled himself to be identified and known with those that the world considers of low estate. I don't know about you. How many of you think you're really not worth too much? How many of us think that on the scale of life, you know, I don't have much, but, you know, nobody knows who I am. Nobody really cares about me. That might be true. But I would venture to say you'd probably be surprised. There are more people that care about you and love you and, and, and want to to do well than you and I can even imagine or think. And what happens usually is when you die, people that, you, if you could be half, if you could just sit there and be asleep and act like you were listening, and you could listen though your eyes are closed, if you, you would be shocked at the people that would come. You really would because what you find out is they may never say anything to you your whole life, but you made an imprint on them somehow, some way. You'd be surprised at the number of people that will may never ever say anything to you, but they watch you. They watch your faithfulness. And the moment you and I don't do what we're supposed to do because of our own selfishness, it's the time we throw some of them for a loop. They count on you and I to be like the hands, the grains of sand in the hourglass. Well, I know. He's I was at the uh, home going for Deborah, Debbie, we knew as Debbie Logan, but uh, some of the people that were there, they came up to me and said, I know you. I said, you do? They said, yeah. You don't remember me? I said, no, I don't. I was a little kid 
run around the streets a little bit, maybe. He says, how long have you been doing this? I said, doing what? How long have you been in the ministry? I said, a long time. I know, because when I was a kid, I remember you being in the ministry. I said, ooh, that, that tells me how old I am. He said, I remember you were down at, you were down at the church down on Grand Street. Yep. I said, that's where I was. He said, man, you've been in this a long time. I said, that would be correct. And I'm like, and after they said that, they go, thank you for being with us today. I said, not a problem. So I had a chance to talk to some of the little ones in the family. They were taking the service kind of hard. I, I just shared with them. I said, listen, I said, this is a hard day. I said, but I think one was probably around 10, 11, maybe 12. I said, it's going to be all right. I said, I'm not telling you because I haven't had experienced this. I've been where you are. I said, in time, it'll get better. Okay? I said, trust me, it'll get better. You'll never forget grandma and your aunt. I said, but think of all the good things. Think about what she wanted for you. Because I, I listened to Sean talk about his mother and and then I said a couple words, and we were done. And uh, I said, it's going to be all right. And then he came back and talked about her and her life. And all I shared with them at that time was this. I said, you know what? Awaiting the Savior. All this that we're talking about, the birth of Christ, him coming into the world. He is the person that makes the difference in all of our lives. He is. I don't know how you make it without Jesus being a part of your life. Too much is happening in the world today. And I just share with them, I was up five minutes. That's all I, five minutes of words is all I said. I said, I'm going to share with everybody here because we all know each other. We have people from all over, people in the community, from people we all know, and some I didn't know. And I just told them, I said, listen. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After you die, then comes judgment. And I really don't know where you are with God. You may believe, you may not believe. That's not even the point. For whether you believe or not, understand this one thing. Every single person that's ever been born in the world will one day have to stand before God. And every single person that has ever been born in the world will have to give an account for what they have done with the time God has given them. I said, I close on this. What condemns a man, woman, boy, or girl is twofold. One, for everybody that does not know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, you are classified as a sinner. And as a sinner, God has no other choice because of his justice but to condemn you. You're condemned because you're a sinner, and you're also condemned because you do not believe in him. And if you want to get right, then you have opportunity every day. God wakes you up. That's another opportunity to say, yes, Lord, I get it. 
I recognize. I've, I've broken your laws. I've broken your commandments. I'm not doing what you want me to do. I want to get this thing right. How do you get it right? Believe in him. He's the him, Jesus. Here he is coming into the world. His sole mission for coming was to save us. That's it. To save us. Amen? And then last but not least, he's not only coming on a cold. He's not only coming through the virgin. He's not only coming and being born in a little town, but he's also coming as prophet, priest, and king. As prophet in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 through 19, here's what Moses had to say about the prophet Jesus. He's prophet. He foretells and foretells the truth of God. He's our high priest. He goes in and offers sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. And he is our king. As prophet in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 19, says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from whom your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me, let us not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire anymore, lest we die, or lest I die. And the Lord said to me, there are they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. Amen. And verse 19 says, And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself require it of him. Jesus never talked about himself. He talked about his father. Amen? We're not talking about ourselves. We're talking about Jesus. Why? He's our Savior. It's never been about you. It's never been about me. It's always been about Christ. What is he doing in your life? How has he blessed you? What has he done for you? And as you and I go out into the world and the world says, there is no hope. We're doomed to die. There's no, there's no future left for us anymore. We're just going to live, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And after we die, that's the end. No. That's just the beginning. You and I will spend more time on the other side of eternity than we on this side. My wife's grandmother is 102. That's a long time to live in this world. But that's going to be short in comparison to her eternity with God. Say, so how do you know she's going to be with God? She's a godly woman. She's one of the last of the old soldiers of the cross, a follower of the Lamb. She didn't let bad weather. She didn't let tough times in her life. She could, she could, she should, I just invite her in just for her to tell you her story. She's been through the storm and through the rain. She's battled the ups and the downs of life. She's had good health. She's had bad health. You, there's nothing. Some people, you can't talk to them about, well, you just don't understand what I meant. Oh, no. You ain't got nothing that's happened to you that I believe that she would tell you, baby, you're going to make it. You know, some people you talk to, and you go, well, you just don't understand how hard it is. And I just don't know about it. And, and you know, you, when you have young kids, and 
don't be talking to, 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 to some people. They would tell you she had nine of them. Nine! You got one or two. Nine to two. She'll tell you, oh, no. Health? Well, Pastor, brothers and sisters, you just don't know. There's times I don't feel well. I, I, I can't do what I... Oh, no, she wouldn't like that. She's going to find herself in the house of God. Because her, her, her philosophy sometimes is what my mom used to tell. Listen, you're going to go to work or you're going to go to school. You're going to be sick at home, so you might as well be sick and go to work. Ain't no, I mean, you ain't, gonna, you ain't got no choice. You can lay at home and say, I don't feel well today, Pastor. You know, it's Sunday and it's Thanksgiving, and surely you don't think we should be here, do you? We got to get ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow we got to go to work. No, I expect you to be here because God expects you and I to be here. And he just tells them, this prophet, he's going to say some words that you need to hear. We're no longer waiting for his birth. We're not waiting for Christ to come. But while we wait for his second coming, we have the joy of welcoming him into our lives. Not into our lives, but also our homes. And not into our lives and our homes, but also into our churches. We have that opportunity every Christmas to ask Christ to come into our life. We have the privilege of helping others welcome him into their lives for the first time. Let's give him, Jesus, our gifts of welcome and worship as we wait the celebration of his birth. This Christmas. Amen. That's the good news. That's the great news. That our Savior has come. And that he's going to be. And he is who he says he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word.